Hey, Adam. Hey, Jim. What are we going to talk about in this episode? Uh, I'd say we talk about the Eisners, the Ink Pots, and we can also cover all the film and TV news. That sounds like a good idea for this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you? I'm the abomination, the strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. Stop. How's life? He seems nice. And we're back with episode 26 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason, and I am no longer tongue-tied. My name's Adam Messinger, and I'm glad Jim's no longer tongue-tied. Yeah, this would be a really lousy podcast if I could not say anything. We're going to come up with a new kind of media. Let's call it mind-casting. Mind-cast? What the? I'm, Let's, not... I'm going to try, okay? Just just sit there and... All right. Okay. How was that? All I heard was just cat sound and <laughs> and some some bo- like some type of bomb sounds. I don't know. I'm not sure what was there. I, yeah, I, I don't know. My house makes creaks and noises and things like. Oh, what am I saying? The high tech graphic content studio. Yes. Yes. So hey, welcome to 26, everybody. I got a question about the gra- graphic content studio. Yes. Do you think that Anne Marie would be okay if we decorated? The graphic content studio in in uh, graphic content subject matter. We could probably do that on the whiteboard. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we have a giant. I want to say it's a thirty six by forty eight whiteboard behind us that I use for gaming purposes. Because I found a Mister Miracle poster promoting the Tom King Mitch Gerard's miniseries, and it's a giant Nick Darrington cover. Oh, that's blown up. sweet. And I thought we should hang that up in the graphic content studio, and I was like. Jim doesn't have 100% say over what is hung up in the graphic content studio. If it is like a set that we can break down after we use it, I bet we could do it for YouTube. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Do you want to be on YouTube? Well, I mean, we already are. Well, we have four episodes, the first four episodes up on YouTube. I'll tell you what. Well, how about this? Write us at Graphic Podcast on Twitter and let us know if you want to see our mugs on the YouTube. And uh, we'll stand in front of posters and... Play with action figures and stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. Speaking of action figures, did you see that shop won the Will Eisner Spirit... Spirit uh, of Retailer Award, Kamikaze? Yeah, yeah. The place is strictly... Like, if Toy Story were real, that place would be burnt to the ground. Seriously. Because there would be, like, urban warfare, internecine warfare taking place every day at uh, Kamikaze, and I want to say it's a suburb of Boston, Somerville, Massachusetts. Yeah. And holy moly, just looking at the pictures of that store, 
you understand why it won the Eisner Spare to Retailer Award. It was amazing. I mean, those pictures are amazing. Yeah, if I ever head out to the Boston area, I mean, it's definitely a shop that I'm going to check out now. Seeing just the 25-cent action figures that they had out right? on display, I mean... I paid two bucks for that shit at McDonald's 10 years ago. Right. It, I'd love to be able to uh, relive that nostalgia for, you know, uh, way less than what I initially got it for. Yeah, I know. I'm in complete agreement with you. And if you're listening, Kamikaze, because we're not sure, you know, West Coast to East Coast. Yeah. But if you're listening, you're doing the Lord's work over there. Great job with that shop. Keep it up. And I hope if I'm ever in the Boston area to, to visit that store, because that place looks Absolutely dope. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to be talking about all the other news. Now, in episode 25, we concentrated heavily on all of the news regarding, I know this was weird. It's still weird to think about how much news about comics came out of Comic-Con this year. The one thing I noticed was there was like next to no image announcements. And I don't know if they're just saving that for the image expos. Probably. I mean, I would think... I don't but know. Th- yeah, that was kind of a York weird Comic-Con? thing. Or maybe New York Comic-Con? Yeah. It was just kind of a weird thing to me, and it wasn't it wasn't bad, because I feel like they announced too many titles as it is half the time. Well, they have so much going on yeah. right now. It's and, and, and really, most of it is amazing work that they're putting out. But yeah, it is, but it t- things tend to get lost when you announce 20 books at once. That's a good point. That is a good point. Because, I mean, all, a lot of the books they announce are quality books, but... When you just put them out in mass, right, things are going to get lost in the cracks, right. But I think we had a fair, fair balance of. I don't, I'm not going to say fair imbalance. Oh shit! I just said it. This is not Fox News, so please forgive me for saying that. But you better I better edit that shit out. I might leave it in there to so that people know exactly where I stand on that because I feel repulsed by that very statement. Well, that's why I want you to edit it out because okay. I don't want fair and balanced in. Relationship. We want we want things to be fair, we want things to be balanced, but there's a weird alchemy when you put fair and balanced in the same sentence. I think. Well, it becomes this mock, this mockery of what fair and balanced are. Hashtag fake news, bad. Uh, so, God damn it! <laughs> but if you couldn't tell uh, from our previous episode, I believe that there was a real balance. Um, spate of announcements that came out from the big two, as well as the indie publishers. I mean, we heard a lot from Dark Horse, especially with um, the announcement of the Burger Books initiative. I felt like IDW was kind of the comp- the indie company to, to really keep an eye on. And I was absolutely going to agree with you on IDW. I, I think it was a tie between IDW and Dark Horse, uh, which is why we reported from both of them. Um, I think the one thing that gets left out from San Diego, and I'm still kind of scrubbing the net for it, is what truly indie work out there. You know, you don't hear about yes. stuff from, from you know, the, the super small press. You don't get news about, you know, Fantagraphics. Um, you're going to hear some here in a minute. Um, or those, those that level of indie publisher. Or just some dude out there just being like, this is my comic for, you know, three bucks, and I have the first three issues that I worked in, you know, I have a printing press in my garage and Unless all that kind of shit. The only time you hear about that is if a producer from Legendary Pictures picked up that book and then optioned it for a quarter million dollars on the spot. Yeah. You know. I'm sure there's stuff like that, but I'd I'd like to see 
I'd like to see the stuff that is being built from the ground up. Right. I would, too. So that means we're going to need to cover Alternative Press Expo when that comes around. Oh, fuck yeah. I want to do that. We need to do that. I had a friend who did a comic, who put out a comic there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a completely different experience. It's like a complete 180 from Comic-Con. Yeah. So uh, that'll be next year sometime, because I don't think it's, it's, I think it's already passed this year. Oh, it did? I don't know. I don't know. Well, gonna... we'll look it up. We'll let you know uh, next episode. Or if you want to inform us at Graphic Podcast on Twitter. We're really talking about that a lot because we'd like to see more Twitter followers. And tell your friends to join in on the Graphic Content Fund by yes. hitting us up at Graphic Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, we've capped our our... Three mentions so yeah, far? Yeah, in what, 10 minutes? 10 less minutes. Uh, less than? And then, you know, we're, we have to save it up for the end of the show. So, for sure. Okay, so this is what we're going to do on this episode. The first half, we're going to talk about the Inkpot and the Eisner Awards. And we already talked about one of them, uh, the Kamikaze uh, uh, Comic Shop in Somerville winning the Spirit of Retailer Award. Um, but we're going to talk about the rest of the Eisner Award winners as well as the Inkpot Award winners. We talked about Gail Simone winning her Inkpot last week, but we're going to talk about all the other people, some of whom Adam and I have no idea who they are, to be quite honest. Yeah, there was a couple names on that list. I was like, I should probably know who that is and don't. And you can write into us in the aforementioned Twitter account oh and gosh. let us know. I didn't say it. I didn't, didn't say, say it. I didn't say you at didn't Graphic say Podcast. Oh, my shit. I did it. I'm Fucking I'm a, Jim. I'm a whore. I'm an, I am an unrepentant whore. Please forgive They're me. They're just going to like turn this off and like tweet us, like, shut the fuck up about your Twitter. That's going to be the next tweet. I ain't going to follow you on your Twitter. Get out of here, you bum. <laughs> oh, my God. So, all righty then. So, during the con, there wasn't a singular event like we were talking about in the previous episode. There wasn't a singular event for the Inkpot Awards. And the Inkpot Awards... Um, isn't really a Lifetime Achievement Award, as some have called it in the past. But they're basically for people who make great contributions to the world of comics, science fiction, fantasy, film, television, animation, as well as fandom services. So I'm sure some of these might be guys who run other cons or, or comic shops that you and I haven't heard of. So again, that's why we're looking to source, to crowdsource some information here. Um, we only have so much time to put these episodes together because of the hazards of, of leading very busy uh, off-mic lives, as it were. So um, let's go down the list of the Inkpot Award winners, all of which were presented during panels, which I think is a really great way to well, do it. Well, and it makes it a special thank you moment for exactly. them. And, and I, I really feel like it gets away from the whole uh, participation award that it used to be. Right. And, and it makes it a special moment for not only the ink pots themselves, but for the people that receive them. Yeah, and Google Inkpot Awards so you can see what this award looks like. It's really nice looking. Um, to be honest, the Eisner Award looks like a silver version of the Golden Globes, So, which is kind of... I thought they were gold. If they're gold, they, they, maybe they're gold. I, I'm going by the photo that I looked at. Oh, so okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. For sure. You, you know. But anyway, so let's start out with the one of the heroes of the civil rights movement. That's a gentleman by the name of, he's a U.S. congressman, Representative John Lewis. 
and uh, he was the co-writer on a graphic novel, series of graphic novels, of his participation in the leadership of the civil rights movement in the Deep South during the 1950s and 60s. Um, the series is called March, and he has uh, written it, and I believe it's drawn by Nate Powell. Yes, he's the artist, and then it's also it, co-written I, by, and by Andrew Iden. Yeah. So, and it could be Aiden. It's A-Y-D-I-N if I mispronounce your name. Andrew, I know you're listening. Uh, please let us know, and uh, you see what I did there, didn't you? You son of a bitch. You I, better not. You better not. I'm just saying, this will be the one rogue podcast he listens to, and he goes, what the fuck is going on over there but anyway this look i have not read a lot you know uh, let me back up the eisners and the inkpots are very much like the oscars unless you are an uber duber fan of the medium chances are you're not going to get a chance to read all of the work that's been put up for nomination. oh hell no not There's unless just, you don't have a life there's what thousands of comics put out every single month and retailers at best at best, pack the first 300. And, I mean, yeah, and then there's not not to mention, like, all the original graphic novels that are listed on this thing. Exactly. Like, nobody, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Right, and, and look, some of this is considered career achievement awards. Some of this is what they're currently doing. So, obviously, for Representative Lewis, as well as his partners, Powell and Iden, this was about putting out the third volume in this storied collection this really almost like a graphic autobiography. Very much so. Uh, of his time in the civil rights movement. I mean, John Lewis very nearly lost his life having his head caved in by a rogue cop. This guy, this guy was there. This guy shed blood for his country in a very special and unique way that not many of us can say that we have. He so, not only shed blood for his company, he shed... Or country. For country. The, I mean, he... he he shed blood for a whole entire race of people. That, that we're dealing with systematic discrimination. Yes. Systemic dis- discrimination. Yes. I almost said disintegration. Dis- <laughs> well, it, it was the science fiction fantasy. It was sitting right well, there above this. So. I was going to say, I mean, it, it, that's what it was trying to be, was fucking disintegrating an entire you know, race of people. Well, it really seemed like it. And uh, look, all kidding aside, Representative Lewis, you are a hero of mine. Uh, going on from there, a uh, gentleman by the name of John Bogdanov, one of the great... Is he a new guy? No, he is not. <laughs> this guy is is one of the old school right here. Um, I know him from his time when Superman um, both just... It was like right after John Byrne stopped drawing most of the... Uh, or the book, the two books that he was drawing over at DC right after the Man of Steel relaunch, John Bogdanov uh, came over. Oh shit! Who did he come over with? Wheezy. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Louise Simonson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the great Walt Simonson's wife, who's also a tremendous writing talent in her own right. I was a fan of her X Factor stuff. Oh my god, she was good. We can go on for days about yeah. that. But John Bogdanov, one of the great Superman illustrators of all time, one hit one a. Uh, Inkpot for his contributions to comics. As a kid, I hated his stuff. Right. And now I'm all because I read like the the Return of the Superman. Uh huh. And now I've almost flip flopped to where his stuff is my favorite, and I don't like the other people's stuff as much. Right. 
And I felt like the fact that he co-created Steel. Yes. And what, what John Henry Irons' costume looks like. And it's so iconic. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's left a an indelible stamp on the DCU. Right. That is going to go on for ages. And honestly, the DC, if we're just talking about the mythology of DC Comics, DC Comics didn't have a maker. You know, they had Green Lantern who can come up with stuff on the fly because he was the seat of his pants test pilot for most iterations of Green Lantern. But John Henry Irons is the Tony Stark of the DC universe. I mean, he is the great engineer. He is the great inventor. He's a much more humble version. Oh, incredibly. And this is not a carbon copy is what I was going to get to. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely on point with that. And at first, you know, when I was, I, I mean, obviously I'm older. We've talked about that on a million episodes. Well, okay, the 25 previous episodes. And I didn't even have an appreciation in my late teens, early 20s when I was reading this book. But I can also see back how his style, this guy was a guy who was unafraid to take chances. Like some some issues would come out with this really light pencil work, you know, almost scratchy in a way, which was indicative of the late 80s, early 90s. But then he would get into heavy ink work and he'd challenge himself with perspective. This is a guy... That seemed, at least to my untrained eye, was always taking chances with his art. So I'm really pleased to see him get get an ink. His biggest chance with his art was drawing the Steel movie adaptation. That poor bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to his credit, he had to draw Shaq. Him and uh, (laughs) him and Louis Simonson came together and did that. I don't. Think, Those guys were troopers for doing that. I was one, like, man. I don't think you could have. You could if if the, I saw that movie and they were like, it's based on your character. I'd be like, God damn it! God, what'd you do to me? But no, they they chipped in because you know that was at a time when it was just Michael Keaton Batman, and they were going into the Val Kilmer year on that one. So good for them. Uh, good for John Bogdanov, quality human yes. being, quality artist. Would love to see his work again somewhere. He's doing a, uh, a creator-owned thing. Last oh. I heard, he was doing a Kickstarter, which is long over at this point, but it was for a series called Strongman. Do you know if it funded? I, I think it did. Okay. And it was about a circus strongman. Oh, cool. So, Having to wear the union suit and the whole thing like that, huh? Yeah, mustache... The whole nine. The, yeah. the giant bells that say 900 yep. pounds on either side, and they're really like three pounds each. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was writing and drawing that. So. Awesome. Well, another guy another guy that, that I, I hold in very high esteem in a different but, but related medium is Alan Burnett won an Inkpot Award. This is Alan Burnett, who's been a, a writer uh, with Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, and he was a producer, co-producer, co-executive producer, executive producer over at Warner Animation for the longest time. This guy, when Bruce Tim left Warner Animation to go be freelance, basically, he was the guy that took over as the executive producer who gave us the first, oh, 10 years of WB Animation properties that were coming out. You know, he oversaw little things like, oh, Justice League Doom, Justice League The New Frontier, uh, Batman under the red hood. You know, this is the guy who has been shepherding the DC animated universe. So does that mean, because I know at San Diego they announced that that gigantic DVD set. Yes. So is this kind is that kind of like a tribute to him? I, I can't see how it isn't. I mean, I don't think they advertised it as a tribute to him per se, but he announced uh, earlier this year that this is going to be his retirement year. 
Um, he's getting ready to uh, not have to work so hard. That's anymore. a hell of a way to go out when you've got, you know, 10 years. I want to say it was 30 movies. Yeah, it was under a bre- your belt. And these are feature films. So this is 77 minutes or more. Yeah. That you're and getting. A lot of them are 90, 90, 100 minutes. Yeah. So you are not going to look if you are a true. I'm going to co-opt a term that another uh, comic book pundit puts out there. But if you're a true comic book sweaty. And you like comic book movies. I've not heard that one. Yeah, sweaties, they're nerds who just, they get really sweaty when they get excited. Oh, I just love this version of Iron Man. He's great. Yeah, keep going. Okay, I'm going to keep moving. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) I'm throwing off track. But seriously, if if you want a briefcase full of a lot of great stuff, there were, look, to be honest, some misses in there as well, I I felt. When you uh, put out 30 movies, you have... I mean, it's just the law of in averages. In 10 years. Yeah, it's the law of averages. The law of averages. So look, not everyone is a gem. I mean, Superman Doomsday, anybody? That, that was their first one out of the say, gate. I was about to say, they, that's how they started off. Yeah, and look, that movie was shite, but you know, it took a couple of movies, but then, then they gave us Crisis on Two Earths, which I still hold as my favorite of the Warner Brothers animation direct-to-video films. Well, you had that. You had Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, First Flight. Oh, yeah. Uh, I uh, mean, ta- was it Tales of the Green Lantern Corps? Yeah, they did that. Yeah, which it was Nathan Fillion ser- serving as the connective narrator for four non-related Tales of the Green Lantern Corps. It was such a great thing. Oh, I loved Christopher Maloney as, as Hal Jordan. Oh, yeah. and I That made, was a good pick. It made me sad they never brought him back for any anything. He was so good. So good. Christopher Maloney can do anything as far as I'm concerned. Oh, he's going to be in uh, Happy. That's right. So when we get to the, the TV news, we can... Well, I, I didn't mo- even write down Happy, so you're going to have to educate me on that one. I, I, I remember it happening now, but I forgot to put that I only, in the yeah. notes. Okay. Um, anyway, so here's some other winners. This um, guy, um, he's doing a, a little bit of film work. He's, his name is Kevin Feige. Um, he must um, be a new guy too. I've not heard of new him. guy. Uh, something to do with <laughs> Marvel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some Disney thing. This guy is practically the Lord and Savior of the comic book industry uh, from his side as the shepherd, the commander in chief of all things Marvel Studios. I mean, enough said as far as that concern. I mean, yeah. Well, I I uh, I frequent a. This is this is going to take a little bit of a turn. Okay. I, I frequent a dating app. Called okay. Tinder. Well, you are you are single, so, so I, w- I would think I think no less of you. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you how many profiles will say I'm into like whatever, whatever, and then Marvel movies. Really? Or Marvel is listed on there a lot. And this is and women and that say, women's profiles yeah, feature. Yeah, and I want to say at least, gosh, a quarter to half. It's a lot, and. Had this been 10, 12 years ago, that would have never even have been... Well, about 12 years ago, it, it took some convincing of my wife to get her to tell me that she was such a legend of Zelda nerds. So she's sitting in the back nodding at me ruefully okay. like, you son of a bitch, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, it was, it was not a thing. Guys, were first. we were the first ones to come out of our nerd shell a little. But Kevin Feige helped make nerd cool. In a lot of ways. And so thank you, Kevin Feige. Thank you for, for helping to bring nerd into the 21st century. Yes, him and Robert Downey Jr. <clears throat> Excuse me. Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau. Yep. Um, 
couldn't have done it without the three of them. I mean, I remember being in, and this is how much Comic-Con has changed. So I was at, at San Diego Comic-Con 2006 with Anne Marie. We weren't married yet. It was a year before we got married. And we went to a panel for the presentation of, of, of a little bit of film footage from the movie Iron Man that was being presented by John Favreau. It wasn't even in Hall H. Wow. I think it was in 6ABCD, which is like upstairs. Jeez. <laughs> and all the footage they showed was him uh, dogfighting against the two Air Force interceptors. Oh, okay. When uh, with the, the, From the first yeah. movie? Let me tell you something. At that point, that was the first nerd eruption in San Diego. Like, there was always cheers... There was always hooting and hollering for your favorite creators and stuff like that. But that was the moment when when comic book movies had really risen above the self-contained kind of things. And it's like there's more than just Batman and Superman. We can make a movie about Iron Man. Who the hell knows anything about Iron Man? Oh, I remember. I, I never thought I'd see the day. And I've talked about this before. Right. I never thought I'd see the day where I'd Same see a here. kid running around with an Iron Man backpack. It still blows my mind to see kids wearing Avengers <clears throat> role-playing gear, you know, Captain America shield and Thor hammer, all this plastic stuff when we were playing cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers when we were kids. Now you can play Avengers versus the Masters of Evil because of Kevin Feige. I'm just going to run down the, the rest of the list here a little. Okay. okay? And then uh, just stop me if you want to mention anything. Okay. Um, so after uh, Kevin Feige, there's Robin Hobb. Uh, I believe that's an author. Uh, then there's Jeff Loeb, uh, who had a very long career as a screenwriter. He wrote the seminal masterpiece. Of Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. And I was going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> Commando. Oh, okay. So two fine feature films. Yes. But really, this is the guy who had his partnership with Tim Sale in books like Batman, The Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Superman for All Seasons. When I was first getting into the industry of comics and, uh -huh. and kind of getting to peek behind the curtains, he was my, I mean, there was a time where it'd be like, who's your favorite, you know, creators? Mm -hmm. And it was Michael Turner, Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb, and those were kind of the biggest names yeah. I knew. At the time, and, and then he, and then that's not to say all of his Marvel work, work on on books like, oh, I don't know, Deadpool. Then he did uh, Daredevil Yellow. He did uh, Captain America White, Spider Man Blue. He did all of oh, those the color books. The color books. Uh, he did a ton of work. He did. I think he did an Avengers book for a while. Um, it might have been part of an event. I mean, oh yeah, he did you, Heroes you, Reborn Avengers. That's what he did. He also yep. did uh, some of my favorite Iron Man stuff is yes. from that Heroes Reborn era. And after Scott Scott Lobdell, uh, <coughs> say what you will. I enjoyed that. I mean, that's kind fair of, enough. You know, enough. I enjoyed that. But he he uh, took over from Scott Lobdell and really uh, did a great job with the seeds that were laid. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. So. Jeff Loeb, another quality guy. Here's another one. Jonathan Mayberry, another good dude. Uh, Glenn McCoy, Keith Pollard, uh, who was uh, an artist and inker in his own right. I was never a fan of his work. Really? Yeah, I, I know he co-created Black, Black Cat and yeah. all that, and I just could never get into it. Yeah, you know, but definitely a guy with a storied career. Uh, Brian Selznick, R. Sikoriak, please forgive me if I mispronounced your name. Uh, Alex Simmons, 
R.L. Stein of the Goosebumps. He got uh, an Inkpot Award this year, which I think is great, even though the Goosebumps movie was a pile of horseshit. Well, he, I guess he tried to make up for that with Man-Thing. Yeah, no, and he's allowed. He's allowed. And thank you for that, by the way, because I forgot about his contribution to Man-Thing. Ron <laughs> Wilson and uh, Gail Simone that we talked about on the last episode who got her ink pot from her husband, which I just think is cute as all hell. Yep. So uh, congratulations to all of them. Well-earned awards for all of you. So let's talk Eisners. This is, whenever I see this list, this is the time of year when I feel like an idiot and I'm like, I know about three of these books and I feel like the Eisners is way smarter than I have any, than I I even know. Right. And a lot of these are original graphic novels. um, And they're books that don't really sell in gangbusters. No, unfortunately they don't get the attention that they need when they're first solicited. However, the Eisners give them a little bump so that if they're being reissued or collected in trade and whatnot, that that can get those books kind of jump-started a yeah, little bit. Yeah, and I feel like the mainstream books have to work that much harder to get on this list. I would tend to agree with you, and you, you'll hear what I'm saying. So we're going to go down all the categories for them. Um, we're going to be flat-out honest and say that, that neither Adam nor myself have really read most of these. And if, if, if we have, then we're going to say so. I'll be lucky if there's like, I know that creator and he's good or she's good. Right. Or, yeah, I'll be lucky if we get there. Exactly. So here we go. Uh, so we're actually doing this on paper. I have not typed this into my computer. No, he has a list and it, all the winners are highlighted on yep. it. So I'm going to read the list of nominees per category, and then we're going to then just like the Eisners, I'm going to announce who the winner was, or and the award goes to. Yes. I should say, and then we'll give a tiny bit of commentary. Exactly. So we're going to start first with best short story, which included the Comics Wedding of the Century by Simon Hanselman in We Told You So Comics as Art from Fantagraphics, The Dark Nothing by Jordan Crane in Uptight Number Five, also from Fantagraphics, Good Boy by Tom King and David Finch in Batman Annual Number 1, DC Comics. Monday, by W. Maxwell Prince and John Amor in One Week in the Library, Image. Mostly Saturn, by Michael DeForge in Island Magazine Number 8 from Image. And Shrine of the Monkey God. That is the dopest sounding title. I want to read that just based on that yeah, title. That's a fucking dope name. That should have won. Oh, uh, Spoiler. Um, Shrine of the Monkey God, exclamation point by Kim, oh my God, old eyes, by Kim Deitch in Kramer's Ergot number nine, also from Fantagraphics. So Fantagraphics, just in the first category alone, got three of the six nominations. And which one won, Adam? Uh, I believe it was Good Boy. Yes, by Tom King and David Finch in and Batman just, Annual number one. I just read that, and it was, it, was a, it was a nice little story. Now, you told me that this featured Ace the Bat Hound. Yes, it did, and uh, you get to see Ace the, ha- the Bat Hound broken. No. Yes. They deconstructed Ace the Bat Hound. <laughs> and, and then they built I'm him sorry. back up. Wow, how about that? Let me ask you a question. Now, like in the Silk, now Ace, you told me, was a German Shepherd, or is a German Shepherd in the comics, but like in the Silver Age, did, did Ace get a Batman cowl? Did he wear a mask? There is a mask in there. That is so dope. Okay, I'm reading that. 
So congratulations to our friend Tom King and David Finch. You guys are fantastic creators, as well as all the other creators in this category. You're going to hear me say this a lot, I think. So next on my paper that I can barely read, we have the best single issue or one shot. So we're going to start with Babylon Baby Bell Wax Body Suit by Eric Costick Williams from Retrofit Big Planet Comics. We then have Beasts of Burden, What the Cat Dragged In by Evan Dorkin, Sarah Dyer, and Jill Thompson from Dark Horse. I didn't even know they came out with a new Beast of yeah. Burden this oh, yeah. year. So whenever I saw that, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Exactly. Well, it came out from Dark Horse, so there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> before they would post stuff in, like, the post stuff, they put stuff in Dark Horse Presents. Sure. And that kind of stuff, or they had their own miniseries. Um, this, I feel like, just for me, it came out of nowhere. Got you. And then we have uh, Blamo Number no. 9 by Noah Van Siver. wonder if there's any relation to yeah, Ethan. Yeah, the brothers. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. From Kilgore Books. Oh, this is one I like. Criminal 10th Anniversary Special by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips from At Image. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. What's hilarious is I was reading through Killer Be Killed, and I saw this like close-up of a face, and I said, that's Kirby. That's a Kirby face. Yeah. And I was just like, well, it makes sense because these guys are fucking the, you know, the Lee and Kirby, in my opinion, of fucking crime books. Well, and especially and of, noir books. of noir books in particular. I mean, I think these guys have, have, have relit or reignited the criminal genre of comics, which was one of the cornerstone in comics, you know, right up there with superhero comics. It was superhero and crime stories in the beginning. And, yeah, these guys are really doing awesome stuff over there. Uh, Then we got Sir Alfred, number three, by Tim Hensley at Pigeon Press. And Your Black Friend by Ben Passmore at Silver Sprocket. So the winner was Beasts of Burden, What the Cat Dragged In, by Evan Dorkin, Sarah Dyer, and Jill Thompson. Uh, I read the original Beasts of Burden. Love that book. Evan Dorkin has just been winning Eisner's just about any time he does some work. He's such a smart and cerebral writer. Right. And Sarah Dyer's fantastic, and I'm in love with Jill Thompson. I mean, her illustrations are so beautiful to me. Her time on Sandman was great. Her Wonder Woman graphic novel was beautiful to me. Um, Scary Godmother. Hello. I mean, she's done. I'm trying to think if I've legit read anything she's done. I I know I, I haven't. So. I haven't read Scary Godmother, but I've read some of her Sandman contributions. I've read. Um, uh, da, 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 I've read. Uh, well, Beasts of Burden. My brain is freezing right now. Do you read her original Wonder Woman stuff back in the '90s? No, no, I didn't, and I should have because I probably would have really liked it. But her Wonder Woman graphic novel, I just thought was beautiful. I mean, period. Yeah, you know, it oh, was. A, I read. I read the girl who was it. The girl who'd be known as Dad. Oh yes, yes, or yes. The, it was the little manga she put right, out, right. which I thought was fucking cool. Yeah, she is such a tremendous illustrator. I, I just love her. Um, moving on, best continuing series. So we said some shit about Vertigo last week. You know, we dropped some shade on Vertigo. Well, we sh- we drop shade on DC. That wasn't just no. It, that's that true. Vertigo. It's not so. Se. And again, it's their corporate masters at really Time Warner. Um, the one of the few good things, consistently good things. Let me correct that. One of the few consistently good things coming out of Vertigo right now is this tiny little book called Astro City by Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson. Um, hard not to like that book because that book just keeps on chugging. You have to read Astro City. 
Um, oh, look, it's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips again from Image with Kill or Be Killed. Yes, that book is... I read that. I read that. I read that, too. It's it, amazing. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, we have The Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron and Russell Dowderman from Marvel. So congratulations to Marvel for getting an Eisner Award there. Um, Did they win? No. Oh. A nomination, oh, I should okay. say. Uh, Paper Girls by P- Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang from Image. But what one was... Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. I mean... No surprise there. No surprise. The book just... I mean, there's Saga number one, and what issue is it up to now? 47. And there's... And the quality has not dipped. It's just... It just continues its streak of being the most consistently well-written and well-drawn series out there. One of them, I should say. There's a reason that issue one is worth a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's, this is one where, you know, look, if, you, if you're a, a singles collector, by all means, spend the money on Saga number one. But if you're just a reader, there's always the trades. And now they have, they have the larger editions now, too. All those hardcovers are fucking beautiful. Yes, so get into Saga. It is great. That's uh, an ever, at the, the at Comic Grapevine where I volunteer, mm-hmm. that's an evergreen title. That's yeah. become an evergreen title. It is at my former shop, the Launchpad, also. Um, Mike Todd, who runs that place, I mean, it's Saga all the time. So, amongst other things, you know, yeah. we, can, we can get into a whole episode just on that. Um, so, congratulations to Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples there. Moving on to Best Limited Series, we had one of the ones that I was excited for last year from IDW, and that was Archangel by my literary hero, William Gibson, the guy who who wrote Neuromancer back in the early 80s, um, who coined the term cyberpunk with Bruce Sterling back in the day. Um, have you have you ever read William Gibson? No clue as to what. You're oh my about god! Right I mean, he defined a whole subset of science fiction in the early '80s. Him, Bruce Sterling, um, Walter John Williams, hell, even George R. R. Martin, you know, did some cyberpunk oh, stories wow. back in the day. Uh, but he did this book with Michael St. John Smith, Butch Geis. It's nice to see Butch Geis on a book again. He was a Marvel and DC staple for years and years. He needs more work as much as possible because I love his stuff. As well as Tom Palmer. I love Tom Palmer's inking. Tom Palmer is one of those veterans that I almost feel... I almost feel like they're insulting a penciler when they bring him on because it's like, yeah, we need strong art here, so we're bringing on Tom Palmer to make the to basically put this on steroids and make it solid. Exactly, and look, that's just the first nominee of Best Limited Series. So, jeez. <laughs> okay, so then there's Briggs Land by Brian Wood and Matt Chater or Chatter Ch- Chatter, I Chatter. Think. Chatter. From Dark Horse. Okay, uh, Brian Woodbuck, alert. Arrgh, yeah, my, what's hilarious is he's like my favorite writer. Yep. And I've not read that. Like, I have all the issues. I yes. just haven't read it. This sends my, sends my heart all aflutter, and that is the Han Solo miniseries by Marjorie Liu and Mark Brooks from Marvel. Um, I love that four-issue miniseries. It was great. It was Han Solo in a race. Really? He was racing in the Millennium Falcon. Okay, yes, he was on secret mission for the Rebellion at the same time, too. But he was he was racing other captains of spaceships. It was what part of Han Solo is known for. Yeah. You know, so don't get me started. The other thing <laughs> is I, I feel like Mark Brooks does not do interiors unless it's a extremely special project like this was. Yes. And so for him to get that type of recognition 
is just, I love it because it, hopefully it brings him into doing more interiors. Right. And that's what it, it, and look, I've, I've admitted it every episode, I think at this point that I am a major, major Star Wars fan. Um, my life-size Yoda behind Adam pretty much proves that, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, he keeps getting surprised. He's been in the same spot in the graphic content studio since episode one, pretty much. Well, since we started recording yeah. here in the high-tech studio. Um, but Marvel's bringing some real editorial integrity to the uh, Star Wars books, in my estimation. They're bringing a lot of great writers onto the book. I mean, look, they've had Kieran Gillen in the house before. Um, say what you want to, but Charles Soule, his new take on Darth Vader is fucking gangster. Um, Jason Aaron, Marjorie Liu. Um, Cullen, <clears throat> excuse me. Cullen Bunn. Yeah. Um, God, I'm blanking right now. Uh, Mark Wade has written for that in the in uh, the Princess Greg, Leia series. Greg Wiseman. Greg Rucka with Shattered Empire. That's right. Was legit. I mean, there was the Death Star exploding, and it was it was the 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 aftershocks of that, and and setting up that time part of the timeline. Um, now, granted, a lot of this work is done in conjunction with the Lucas Story Group. But this, they're putting really, really talented people on this. And I'm sorry, Charles Soule and uh, Alex Maleev's Lando miniseries was full of high-octane action. Billy D being the sexual dynamo that he was. I mean, they opened with him having sex with an imperial moth, uh, <laughs> imperial nice. governor in the page one splash, him in bed with an imperial. And, and... Just absolute heartbreak, plus some insight into the character of Lobot. Uh, so the Star Wars comics are doing great work over there in the in the um, the meta of the Star Wars universe. So you feel like this this uh, series represents all Star Wars in kind of the Eisner. in a way, in a way it yeah. does. And and I I just think it's the latest in a, in a line of Eisner's that have uh, Eisner nominations that this book is in. Um, one that I'm not familiar with, maybe you are, I'm, I'm not, is Kim and Kim by Magdalene Visaggio and Ava Cabrera. It's from- on my radar because it's from, isn't it from Black Mask? Yes. Yeah, it's one of those things that I, anytime I hear about it, it sounds fucking awesome. It's about a uh, two bounty hunters and one is trans and her name's Kim. Okay. And the other bounty hunter's name's Kim. Interesting. And so these two ladies go out and just fucking, you know, out in space. Oh, so it's a sci-fi? Yeah, it's a sci-fi space bounty hunter oh, okay. thing. So, I mean, it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just haven't had the chance to check it out. Interesting. Well, I want to check it out. So if you get a copy of it, let me know. Yeah, I want, for sure. I want, I want to take a look at it. But then there's the winner, the last one on the list. And you heard me say how good this has been on multiple episodes. I'm talking about The Vision by Tom King and Gabriel Walta from Marvel. Do you think that the director's cut is going to get nominated <laughs> next year? It, hey, it's possible because they do have a reprint category. So, Oh, okay, it's, yeah. It's very possible. I mean, The Vision, look, there are, people complain all the time about the lack of risks being taken with superhero storytelling. It's pretty much superhero encounters bad guy, they beat them up, throw him into jail, throw him into a secret prison somewhere. He has trouble with his girlfriends. They've been following the Spider-Man plots or the or the Thor plots, or you know, it's it's this rinse, wash, repeat kind of cycle with superhero comics. 
totally thrown out the window by Tom King on this book. That was a book they had such faith in that they reprinted the entire first issue, I want to say, in the back of Spider-Man Deadpool. I want to say you're right. I want to say you're right. I cannot stress enough. Now, look, this book was so different. It creeped me out in the beginning. I didn't want to read it in a way because it was like, wait a minute, the vision made a family? The vision to, I mean, I get the need not to be alone, but to create this sort of cookie cutter. Leave it to beaver. Leave it to beaver, nuclear family kind of thing. It was kind of creepy in a way. Oh, and to see the kids start school and all that. Yeah. And all the challenges they faced. So I'll be honest in the fact that I missed it when it was first coming out because I was a little scared of the book. But then come along, because you know I'm reading Champions, and I think it's one of the best books Marvel is putting out right now. Mark Waid is writing teen characters great. I love teen superhero teams. Surprise! But it was because of Viv's inclusion, his daughter, the Vision's daughter, Viv, that got me to go back and read all of the issues of the Vision. And I'm like, this is some of the greatest comics that I've read in modern times. So good. So good. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, I need to check it out. That's that's for goddamn sure. There you go. So read it. You'll love it. And uh, I can't say enough about it. All right. Best new series. We're going to start out with nominees. Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire. Yay! Another book that I buy and have not read. And Dean Ormston. I've bought the first few issues of it. And yes, they're on my stack of shame also. Um, we have Clean Room by Gail Simone and John Davis Hunt from Vertigo DC, another quality book from Vertigo DC that gets undermarketed. Uh, we have Deathstroke Rebirth. This, I was so excited to see oh that. Oh my on god, there. Christopher Priest, please write more. Um, <laughs> he's gonna be doing a series with Phil Noto over at Marvel, the first Inhumans thing I think I've ever since they've turned it into a franchise. How did I miss this news? What? What? Okay, you this had, was uh, out. I think a couple, a few months ago. I must have missed it. But yeah, it's it's him and Phil Noto. Do you know what the title of it is? Shit. Uh, Once in Future. Oh, is it is it based I, on the like the? I want to say it's the it's kind of the royal lineage. That's what I was just gonna say. Um, so of the kings of Adelan, I guess is how they yeah. pronounce it. So or Attilan, as I've Which, always called it. I hope that they bring in the unspoken because that's probably one of my favorite Inhumans characters yes. and that whole concept I loved. Yes. So really glad to see him nominated there along with Carlos uh, Pagulayan and more people than... I mean, there's been a lot of uh, other creators coming in doing parts of the Deathstroke books. So they didn't list all of them on the official website. Um, also, Faith by Jody Hauser, Pere Perez, and Marguerite Sauvage over at Valiant. Faith is a book that I'm going to start reading. I flipped through it. I told they you. They just put out Faith in the, it's a teen book. Uh, yes. I can't remember. The yeah. T- but it's Faith in the something. And uh, yes, Faith is a character. Who'd have thought that she would be such a popular? Well, you know, like so many, like the unbeatable squirrel girl. Who thought that she was going to be a breakout character Which a few years ago? She's on this list. Yes, she is. So Not this specific category, but in the Eisner talk. Right. And then the final nominee in Best New Series, uh, this is a book that I really enjoyed and whose life was cut way too short, and that's Mockingbird by Chelsea Kane. And Kate, I'm going to butcher this last name, so I'm going to... Oh, good luck uh, with that. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not reading that. I'm just going to say Nimshik, so I'm going to try and give it some Eastern European flavor there. If I'm wrong, please let me know. I am so sorry. But the two, you two ladies, I thought 
it was it was a kick-ass, first of all, okay, kick-ass female characters are a dime a dozen now in and of themselves because everybody wants to get in on the female consumer market. What was neat about Mockingbird, I feel, was it was a feminist book without wearing feminism on its sleeve or on the front of its shirt until, until, the, the until issue, issue eight. Yeah. And good for them for doing that, and great for Marvel for approving oh, that. Oh, they got so much shit for that. I'm so glad they did, because Chelsea Kane took, I mean, almost Gamergate levels of shit on Twitter um, from a lot of troll comic book readers that I'm ashamed to be associated with just by... by uh, sheer birth of our hobby. And, and her, I remember her saying, like, I have written three novels and I've not gotten any type of feedback like I have yep. with the eight issues of fucking Mockingbird. Fucking Mockingbird, what? No, Mockingbird. Yeah. <laughs> Mockingbird was nothing short of a great little Marvel book that could, I thought. It, it wasn't trying to be the next greatest thing. It was about telling these nice, short almost self-contained, but some with continuing story arcs of this super spy for S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, Bobby Morris, uh, I forget what her agent number was, but Bobby Morris, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., codename Mockingbird. Um, I just loved that book, and I thought that, unfortunately, it got dealt a raw hand uh, just by the, the position that it was uh, launched in. And it just it, got overtaken by Marvel's own onslaught of books. That were I was about out. to say they flood they flood the market with new series and not marquee characters. Yep. And when you do that, just like we talked about with Image earlier, there's a bunch of great books they put out, and Marvel does the same. There's a bunch of books they put out that get canceled at issue two, uh, and by that I mean they internally cancel it at issue two. Absolutely. Because you know they've uh, they've spread their their consumer base too thin. Yep. With all these these new books. Uh, take a look at what IDW is doing. IDW is making some brave choices. I, I I can't help but bring it up is the fact that they decide to cut their production back. Yep. And when you cut your production back, as we're going to talk about later on our on on the media part of this episode. Uh, you're able to put more money into things, into other things, especially if if you're printing enough books to meet the demand. I think it's an interesting business model that I think the whole industry is going to take a very close look at. Um, the winner of that category, you and I are going to like this, Adam. It was Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire awesome. and Dean Oldenston over at Dark Horse. So good on you guys. The, the other thing is, before this, this book got delayed before it came out because Dean had a heart attack. Yeah. And so to see not only him recover, yeah. but for him and Jeff to just come back and fucking get an Eisner for this book. I mean, so and first of all, continued great health to you, Dean. Keep on keeping on at this point. You're an awesome creator. Jeff Lemire, you're my superhero. Um, Black Hammer, it's a neat-looking book. I can't wait to actually read it. <laughs> I feel like such a douche, but, dude, you are a warrior if you can come back from a heart attack and win an Eisner. Yeah. You know, people sometimes, you know, diminish the work of creatives in just about any industry. I'm sorry, it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to, to draw a funny book every month. And for him to do it at the, at the level that he's doing it, well earned, whether, even whether I read it or not. So Absolutely. Just based on principle. Right. Now, the next category is best, best publications for early, re- early readers. This is for people around the age of eight. Okay. So the nominees are Ape and Armadillo Take Over the World by James Sturm from Toon. We have Burt's Way Home by John Martz from Kuyama. 
The Creeps, book two, The Trolls Will Feast by Chris Schweitzer from Abrams. I'm Grumpy, my first comics by Jennifer L. Holm and Matthew Holm from Random House Books for Young Reader. And our winner, Narwhal, Unicorn of the Sea by Ben Clanton from Tundra Press. So I don't know about you, Adam, but I am in love with the title Narwhal Unicorn of the Sea. So (laughs) I think I might have seen one on my vacation. I'm not sure. Or it could have just been high. I I have no idea. I don't don't judge what you do. Thank you. Out by the ocean. My my wife does, though. Um, Best publication for kids, ages 9 through 12. The Dreaming Lesson by Mark Crowley. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right from Watson Guptill. We have Ghosts by Rhina... Taglemeyer. Telgemeyer. The queen queen of comics. Yes. Rhina Telgemeyer. I'm so sorry. Telgemeyer from Scholastic. Hilda and the Stone Forest by Luke Pearson from Flying Eye Books. Riki, adapted by Norm Harper and Matthew Foltz Gray from, what the hell is that? Uh, Karate Pet Shop. My new favorite comic book company is Karate Pet Shop. And then we have Science Comics. Dinosaurs by M.K. Reed and Joe Flood from First Second. Which one do you think won on that one? Ghosts. You're right, by Raina Telgemeier. She, Meyer. that woman is the, she's the most powerful person in comics. Really? Have you any, when they did the, I don't have any idea, so okay. please educate so me. So whenever they had the New York Times bestseller for graphic novels, she had, she's done, I think, three or four graphic novels and they were the top five for years. Wow. Anytime she put one out, it was basically her fucking list. And she would just put out another book, and it would just add to the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. And, uh, I mean, not only that, she's with Scholastic, and that's a powerhouse in and of itself. Oh, I think just about anybody in the field of education will tell you that. I'm going to take another shot. Reina Telgemeier. Yeah, it sounds... I, I don't I'm getting know. better at this name. Yeah. So, yeah, she... Makes more money, I think, out of anybody in comics just based on that and her just dominance of the young adult genre. Well, keep doing what you're doing until you decide you want to do something else, then go do that. I, I am now I'm interested, I want to take a look at her work, so I'm gonna do that. Yeah, honestly, I'd like to. I, it's one of those things that it's got my attention. There we go, it's on my radar. Awesome. Now we're going to move on to Best Publication for Teens, ages 13 through 17. We have Bad Machinery, Volume 5, The Case of the Fire Inside by John Allison. We have Batgirl by Hope Larson, Raphael Abuquerque. Oh, I'm sorry, the first one, Bad Machinery, is from Oni Press. Batgirl is obviously from D.C. Uh, We have Jughead by Chip Zdarsky. Yay! Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and Derek Charm from Archie. Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda from Image. We have Trish Trash, Roller Girls of Mars by Jessica Abel from Paper Cuts, Super Genius. Dope, by the way. Uh, and The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, his second nomination in the category, and that's the one he won for for his work over at Marvel. That's pretty crazy to uh, him and Erica Henderson both nominated twice. Yeah. Good for uh, them. So, yeah, I, Jim and I, on a brief side thing, we looked at the top 300 comics, mm-hmm. and there were several books. I was just like, how are you making money to publish this? Yeah. And uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl was one of those books. I want to say it sold less than, like, 10,000 copies. Oh, by far. I want to say it was around 4,000. It was, we got we to gotta go look at it. 
We're going to do an episode, I think. I'm not sure if it's going to be in this quarter or if we're going to wait till the end of the year, but we're definitely going to do a top 300 comic books episode where we're not going to talk about every one of the top 300, but we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take and make points out of why are these books selling so well or are we, how are we glad that these books are selling so well or there were just things that when Adam was showing me this list where I was going, why the hell is this selling at number 300? Absolutely. There was uh, one book by a creator that is one of my personal favorites, and I saw it. It was in, in like 297 or something like that. I messaged the creator, and I, I thanked him. I thanked them for, for making that comic. Yes. Because it, it was like selling like 2,000, 2,500 copies. And I was just like, shit, man, the, you're pouring your, your blood, sweat, and tears into this for what is looked like a losing, uh, a money-losing, you know... Uh, Enterprise, yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it's It's just when you think about it, but then we don't know what kind of deals they're getting. Are they, are these characters getting licensed for things? Are they getting options it, from, it could be from they companies? Make, it could you know. be they make up for it in trade paperback sales. Exactly. The backlist is a huge driver of a lot of the comics market nowadays, and that's something else we need to look at, our book scan sales, because that's what tracks the book market. Yeah. Um, moving on to best humor publication, we have... The Further Fattening Adventures of Pudge, Girl Blimp by Lee Mars from Mars Books. Hot Dog Taste Test by Lisa Hannawalt from Drawn and Quarterly. I, I, just as a side note, I'm never going to participate in a hot dog taste test. That just sounds like you're in for trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. What happens if you get one that's that didn't come out just right? It, to mean, me, <laughs> it sounded just as bad as some of those awesome names sounded awesome. And I'm and I'm not slighting this book at all. I bet you it's great. It We're judging have, a book by its title. God damn that's it! That's it. God damn it! What's wrong with me? Uh, then we've got Jughead by Oh look, Chip Zdarsky, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, Derek Charm from Archie. He sure is getting around quite a bit. This this guy. It's funny because those young those those team publications. I didn't like any of them except for one. So yeah. it was kind of weird for me to see him nominated. Yeah, interesting. Then we've got Man I Hate Cursive. I'm sure my wife, who's a third grade school teacher, can talk about that quite a bit. Uh, that's from Jim Benton at Andrew McNeil McNeil. Uh, and then we've got huge thirty years of Doomsbury on Trump. Bad. Uh, <laughs> By GB Gary Trudeau, also from Andrews McNeil. You're fired. <laughs> Eisner Awards, totally left-leaning, sad. Uh, um, so the winner is hashtag Jughead by Chip Zdarsky, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and Derek Charm. I can make a comic book that's ten times as better as them. Sad. Oh my God! I, did You're I, hurting me. I watched some CNN before we turned this on, and that's I've got Trump on the brain oh right now. Oh my God! You're physically painting me with yeah, this. I, I'm sorry, but hey, congratulations again. All seriousness to Chip Zdarsky, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and Derek Charm. I mean, that's that's good for them. Uh, moving on to best anthology, we've got Baltic Comics anthology. Uh, number twenty six, edited by David Shelter and Sunita. Muznis from Q it's European. I can't even pronounce okay. it. Uh, then we have Island Magazine edited by Brandon Graham and Emma Rios over at Image. Kramer's Ergot number nine. Oh, that's the second uh, list for there. Edited by Sammy Harkham at Fantagraphics. 
Love is Love, edited by Sarah Gatos and Jamie S. Rich at IDW, co-published by DC Comics, and Spanish Fever, stories by the new Spanish cartoonist, edited by, by Santiago Garcia, also at Pantographics. Let's dispense with the pleasantries and say awesome to Love is Love, winning the Eisner and... Even though he was not directly given the Eisner, um, Gatos and uh, Rich brought up Mark Andreco, who was the guy who, the impresario of this project. He was the one that put this project together behind the scenes, got a lot of deals from... It was his concept. It was his concept from the start. I mean, Jamie Rich and Sarah Gatos, I'm not taking anything away from the work that they did. And they did great work to put this 100-page giant for $10 out there, featuring 52-page, 50-comma-two-page stories. (laughs) I didn't want to say a new 52 story. I really want to get away from that. But look, Mark, uh, not Mark Gatos, excuse me, uh, uh, Mark Andreco um, is a guy whose career I've been following for a very, very, very long time. He was an editor at DC Comics, he wrote one of my most favorite comics of all time, and that is Manhunter by uh, himself and Jesus Saez to begin with, uh, which I thought was an amazing uh, character, Kate Spencer, that I would love to be love to see get another shot at comics again. Um, just you know, my own thing. Well, I think that'd be cool because I don't think Kate Spencer, or especially as Manhunter, has been explored since the New Fifty Two. And it seems like any Manhunter book that they bring, I mean, is, is uh, has a cult following that comes from it. You know, whether it was the Walter Simmons and Archie Goodwin Manhunter, whether it was the Jack Kirby Manhunter. Whether it was um, the Manhunter from um, from Mars, uh, no, no <laughs> not him. I'm talking about uh, the Mark Shaw Manhunter series from the 80s and 90s. Um, uh, oh yeah, Grant Meme was the original artist on it. Sam a, Keith came on and did inks on that. I, did on, he? Yeah, weird. It was funny to hear him talk about how he got hired as an inker for that and just how wrong for the job he was. Yeah, because that was a very anime inspired kind of you know really hard angular lines and stuff that you don't normally associate with Sam Keith. Um, but anyway, Mark and Draco has and he's writing Wonder Woman seventy seven digital first comics right now for DC. Um, he's also my superhero when it comes to movie trivia. I love movie trivia, and he competes on Collider's movie trivia schmodown as well as uh, Screen Junkies movie fights. And he's hilarious, but he is also um, somewhat of a prominent member of the LGBT community. And um, I think his heart was torn out of his chest and stomped on by the terrorist who did the shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando last year, as was all of us. Um, yeah, we're, we're kind of on a dour note here on this episode, but let's just be honest, you know, 49 people lost their lives that day and, um, countless more were injured or had family members taken from them. And, um, this guy threw, and it, it hit America, it hit America so hard that, um, members of the political right could not, not feel some compassion and sympathy. Uh, we're talking the hard right. Um, it was an amazing situation that uh, was so terrible in its genesis and how he was able to work through his grief, work through the collective grief that our nation was feeling to bring this series to life. 
and to get the deals made, to get some exclusive talent that normally couldn't do work for other publications to come to get their publishers to allow them to do work for this. Because not just the proceeds from the profits of this went to a charity that was set up to benefit the families and the victims of the Pulse shooting, but all of the money generated from sales of this title go to that fund because even the printing was donated for this. And we're not talking one volume. We're not talking two, vol- or two, two editions. They put out three print editions of this title to benefit victims and their families. I, I just, and, and you should go on YouTube and look up Mark and Draco uh, acceptance speech. It's there. And uh, the look of absolute shock on his face for an idea that he had. And yeah, he put a lot of work into this as well as Gatos and Rich. Um, but the, if you want to see what a look of appreciation looks like, um, that's the video you should look like. And I just, I, um, I, I'm not being sarcastic at all when I say that uh, you need to read this book. What was funny in, in a... It was it was funny in the fact that as I saw this, uh, I initially went, um, I initially went, oh, I want Island to win. As I'm scrolling through, and I was like, and then I, I come to love, love is love, and I was like, oh, love is love needs to win. It has to win, you know. It's love is love, in some ways, was like the first episode of Saturday Night Live that came back after the Twin Towers fell on 9/11. You know, it came back two or three weeks later and, you know, do, you know, where uh, Lauren Michaels said to the then mayor, Rudy Giuliani, the funny line, do, can we be funny again? And Rudy Giuliani respond, can you, <laughs> you know, um, love is love was a book that gave us permission as comic book fans and genre fans to breathe again. Um, there are a lot of people in the LBGT community uh, and I know that the acronym goes on. It's LGBTIAQ plus or something like that. So I'm just shortening it because I can only speak so many letters at one time. Um, but we're definite allies of the community. I'm speaking for myself, Adam. I think you are as well. Yes. And this is the book that gave us the, the in a way, even if you didn't read it, gave us the permission to breathe again. A little bit after this tragedy, this this senseless act of terrorism and hate. Um, there's just sometimes works that are done that are so important that they must be recognized. There's no other decision to make in this category than to say to Jamie Rich and Sarah Gatos, you win this one just because of the classification of this book. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, Jim. Uh, it was it was beautiful to see that book win. Yeah, so uh, all my love to you, Mr. Andreco, to your family and to your friends and to your community, as well as the, the all of the creatives, the the army of creatives that donated time, that donated money, that donated art, that donated printing. Um, everybody involved from this book to the to the smallest contributor ever. I think you contributed so much to a greater cause and to give some measure of comfort to those affected by this horrible, horrible thing. Give them some measure of comfort. I I just can't think of anything better. Yeah, it reminds us that, yeah, love wins. Yep. It always wins in the end. Speaking of love, let's talk about the best reality-based work, 
We have Dark Knight, a true Batman story by Paul Dini and Eduardo Risso from Vertigo, D.C. Uh, that was uh, Paul Dini's autobiography of the time when he was mugged and beaten so bad he had to spend weeks in a hospital. I ha- I uh, am kicking myself over not reading that because I, I see it on the shelf at the comic shop, and I'm like, there's just so much there, and I'm like, oh, I, I need to get around to reading that eventually. I read it. It Well, first I, I heard him interviewed on, I want to say, Nerdist. Then he was on, like I want to say, Word Balloon. He was on NPR. Uh, it, was a, it was a heart-wrenching story. It was a hard story, but the fact is... This is a guy, this is a tale of a, of, of a no-name guy. This was before he really hit it big. Um, he was in the middle of trying to work on Batman he, in the animated series and just make the best cartoon he could. He could, and he, he, I mean, seriously came close to dying. And how do you bounce back from being that close to the brink of death? Great book. And, of course, Eduardo Risso, who to me is one of the greatest illustrators working to, today, um, they're nominated. Then we have Glenn Gould, A Life Off-Tempo by Sadrine Ravel from NBM. We have March, Book 3 by John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell from Top Shelf. We have Rosalie Lightning, A Graphic Memoir by Tom Hart from St. Martin's Press. And Tetris, The Games People Play by Rox Brown from First Second. Um, I am sad to see that Paul Dini and Eduardo Risso did not win this award. Um, the award went to uh, the representative, John Lewis, that we shouted out for the Inkpot Awards earlier. To me, that's another case of, yes. of while I w- it would have been nice to yeah. see the Paul Dini thing win, and maybe on any other year, yeah. sure it would have, yep. but March needed to win. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and not just from a social justice warrior point of view, it is an important historical account. And it was the whole idea of John Lewis doing a memoir of the civil rights movement in the graphic medium was not so that he could talk to his own generation. It's so that he can talk to not his kids' generation, but his kids' kids' generation and generations after that. I believe and that series is going to be in schools and it's going to be yes. known just as much as like To Kill a Mockingbird At, is and that kind of stuff. I cannot help but agree with you. But, but again, Paul Dini and Eduardo Risso, Thank you for what I think has been the work of your career so far. And, and, and like Adam said, in any other year, you would have won. Uh, let's go to best graphic, graphic album new. We have The Art of Charlie Chen Huck Chai by Sonny Liu from Pantheon. Black Dog, The Dreams of Paul Nash by Dave McKean. Oh, that's a name I haven't heard of in a while. Exits by da- Daryl Sychik from Kayama. Moon Cop by Tom Goal from Drawton and Quarterly. Patience by Daniel Klaus, wow, from Fanographics, and Wonder Woman, The True Amazon by Jill Thompson at DC Comics. Um, Adam, it was Jill Thompson's year this year. Absolutely. She's got Beast of Burden, and she's got this new, this new uh, well, not, it's not new now, but it's the True Amazon. Uh, to be honest, I at the time that came out, I was mm-hmm. just like, DC has flooded the market with... Wonder Woman origin stories. Good God. There was, I think, four to five that came out how in much that did, one year. How much did we complain in the last, last episodes about how many Superman origin stories that yeah, there have been? Yeah, and this was just one year's full of, like, five Wonder Woman origin right. stories. So it got kind of buried, I thought. But, I again, I kind of... And I, I read all the Wonder Woman stuff from last year. I loved it. And being such a Jill Thompson fan, I just adored this book so 
Congratulations to Jill Thompson on that. And next, we're going to go to Best Graphic Album Reprint, where we have nominees Demon by Jason Shiga from First Second, Incomplete Works by Dylan Horrocks, uh, Alternative, Last Look by Charles Burns from Pantheon, Meat Cake Bible, Yum, by Dame Darcy, also from Fantagraphics, uh, Meg and Mog in Amsterdam and Other Stories by Simon Hanselman from Fantagraphics, and She's Not Into Poetry by Tom Hart, Demon by Jason Shiga won on that one. So congratulations to him. I noticed and, a lot of Fantagraphics books there. Yeah, books I honestly haven't read, but damn it, I should. So thank you guys for the work that you do. Um, we're going to do a little speed round through some of these categories where I'm just going to announce who the winners were. If you were one of the nominees there, it's not because we're trying to slight you. It's just that we're running out of time uh, for our rental of the high-tech graphic content studio right now. So please forgive us on that. So we're going to go through some of these uh, real fast. Uh, we have Best U.S. Edition of International Material. Um, this is a good one to win. Mobius Library, The World of Adena by Jean Mobius Gerard et al. from Dark Horse. So congratulations. I love me some Mobius. Best U.S. Edition of International Material from Asia, The Art of Charlie Chan Hok Chai by Sunny Liu from Pantheon. Best Archival Collection Project for Strips that are at least 20 years old. Now, if that's not a specific <laughs> category, I don't know what is. Um, the fact that they have enough to fill that is pretty, uh, it's mind-blowing. You know, uh, just real quick, uh, for my father-in-law's birthday, he had told me that I didn't know this, that he was a fan of, of adventure comic strips when he was a kid, and his his drug of choice when getting the Sunday funnies was Lee Falk's The Phantom. No shit. No shit. So what did I do? I got those two really nice archival hardcover editions. They have like nine volumes in the set, but I got them the first two wow. for his uh, 85th birthday. That's awesome. Yeah, Chuck, he loved it. He was just, he sat down after, you know, the hullabaloo of his birthday party, and he just sat there, and he was like a, a, an eight-year-old boy again. It was so cute. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, congratulations to Chester Gould's Dick Tracy, Colorful Cases of the 1930s, edited by Peter Maneska from Sunday Press. I felt the need to go into 1930s announcer voice on that one. Uh, we also have Best Archival Collection Project for Comic Books that are at least 20 years old. And we have the Complete Women's Comics, that's with an X, by Trina Robbins, Gary Groth, and J. Mar Michael uh, Calron from Fantagraphics. You know, in 1994... I shared a seat with Trina Robbins on a bus going into San Diego Comic-Con. Wow. Yeah. Did she you just, just sat sit next. there and chat, chat I, with her? I just said, hi, are you Trina Robbins? And she said, yes, I am. I go, well, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, are you a fan? Well, I am a fan of comics. I couldn't, I just didn't know much about Trina Robbins other than I had seen her face in like, uh, um, oh, crap. What was the newspaper back in the day? Uh, there was a newspaper on comics. Comics Journal? It was in, well. I've seen her in Comics Journal. I've seen her in Wizard Magazine. So I felt embarrassed that I hadn't read much of her stuff. Um, but she laughed about it because she could tell I was a young kid. Yeah. So uh, she's awesome. Glad to see that she won for that. Um, so there is that. Um, then to some of the other categories, we've got 
uh, best comics-related periodical or for journalism, the AV Club comics coverage, including comics panel, back issues, and big issues by Oliver Sava et al. on avclub.com. So get on them. Best comic-related book, Crazy, George Harriman, Life in Black and White by Michael Tisserand from Harper Press. Best academic scholarly work, Superwomen, Gender, Power, and Representation by Carolyn Coca from Bloomsbury. Best publication design, The Art of Charlie Chan, Hawk Chai, designed by Sunny Liu. I'm going to have to check this book out. It's won a couple of Eisners here. Um, Best webcomic. Uh, let's see. I do not have the winner highlighted on that, so my apologies to best webcomic right now. But I can tell you the best digital comic is uh, Bandetta by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover from Monkey Brain Comicsology. So congratulations to them. So now we're going to get to those meat and potato categories like best writer, best artist, and all of that. So All the stuff that we know and love. Yes. And so here we go. We're going to start with Best Writer, and the nominees are Ed Brubaker for Criminal 10th Anniversary Special and Kill or Be Killed, and Velvet. Now, uh, Kill or Be Killed and Velvet, I have read. I have not read the 10th Anniversary Special yet. Velvet, if you're into James Bond kind of spy stuff, you know, like old school spy stuff, she's an old school kind of spy. Uh, yes, it, it was basically, what if Money Penny? was actually 007. It was the whole pitch line for Velvet, and I love that series. Yeah, that series is great, and it, it weaves in and out, and uh, Steve Epting just is fucking amazing. The guy he, d- he did uh, the Winter Soldier stories with over at Marvel. Yeah, Captain the Marvel's America. Project, yes. all that stuff. I mean, wonderful illustrator. Uh, Kurt Busiek, he's been in this category a few times for Astro City with, from Vertigo, D.C. Chelsea Kane for Mockingbird. Max Landis... Where did we hear from Max Landis? Oh, yeah, we talked about him on the last episode uh, for Green Valley from Image Skybound, as well as Superman, American Alien at DC. Jeff Lemire, Black Hammer from Dark Horse, Descender, Plutona from Image. I loved Plutona. Plutona was great. God, that was a dope little book. It was kind of like Stranger Things meets superheroes, you know? Absolutely. It was, it was wonderful. If you like Stranger Things... Pick up the trade of Plutona. You will really like that book. Uh, he was also nominated for Bloodshot Reborn over at Valiant. I love that book. Which I hear, ha- I haven't read it. Oh, it's it's excellent. I read the the Valiant, the series he co-wrote, and had Paulo Rivera on art. And that was kind of the launching point. And then he gets into the whole Bloodshot thing, and, and the stuff behind that is just batshit crazy. Wow. It's uh, There's a lot of heart in it. A lot of mystery okay. and a lot of fucking violence. Wow. Okay. That sounds like my kind of work. So congratulations to all those nominees. But the one who won it all was Brian K. Vaughn for Paper Girls and Saga. So not surprising. The the man, his power, I mean, he's like Goku in Super Saiyan mode for writers right now. I mean Absolutely. <laughs> then we have best writer artist that's out there. Uh, Jessica Abel with Trish Chash. Roller Girl of Mars, it's second nomination. I'm going to need to read this book. Uh, Then we have Box Brown from Tetris, The Games People Play from First Second, also it's second nomination. Tom Gold from Moon Cop from John Quarterly, another nomination for that book. Tom Hart, Rosalie Lightning, a graphic memoir from St. Martin's, as well as Sunny Liu, The Art of Charlie Chen Hawk Chai from Pantheon. 
and the winner was Sonny Liu, The Art of Charlie was, Chan, Hawk Chai. It had, I figured. With like five nominations, it had to win something statistically, I well, think. Well, it's already won. It's won like everything it's been nominated for, I think. No, it it, it, it hasn't. It's just been nominated oh, okay. up until this point. Um, so, wow, congratulations. Uh, it, it's just... Now, this is another book that fell under my radar that I am now going to have to put on the have-to-read pile. That's one thing I really like about the Eisners is while I do feel like an idiot, I appreciate the education. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's a ton of shit here that I would totally miss. And I feel like it's the smarter stuff out there, the stuff that is more cerebral, that the, the mainstream comics... A uh, fan is not just going to pull off the the weekly arrival shelf. But at the same point, also just just to throw this out there is that superheroes aren't being completely ignored with books like Mockingbird and Astro City and uh, the Batman Annual Story, Good Good Boy um, and Thor and Thor. Um, yeah, these are these are you know. So if you're a superhero fan, they're not ignoring us. But what they're doing is they're showing us the the entire breadth of the comic book universe. So, anyway, let's move on to best uh, best penciler, inker, or best penciler, inker team. So, this is an interesting category. We have Mark Brooks for Han Solo over at Marvel. Uh, Dan Mora for Klaus from Boom Studios. Dan Mora is a guy that needs way more. I was so excited to see yeah. him nominated because he's fantastic. If you don't follow him on Instagram, I, you're missing out. Well, then I'll add him, and you need to show me some stuff. Klaus I, is good. Okay. That new Power Rangers series that he's drawing, that got me interested just because he was involved in it. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll definitely take a look at it. I, I love consuming new new content. Uh, then we've got Greg Ruth from Inde, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Grand Central Publishing. We have Francois Chutin, please forgive me if I mispronounced your name, The Theory of the Grain of Sand from IDW, Brian Stelfreeze from Black Panther. Brian Stelfreeze, man. He's going to be at Stockton Con. I dare. <laughs> so are we, as a matter of fact. Um, and then Fiona Staples was the one who won for Saga, so... This so is the, the book Saga that cannot team, be defeated. The Saga team has won for best art and best writing. There you go. And now, being fucking Saga. And being Saga. And when are we going to see Saga on HBO or something? You know, we need Saga like yesterday. Uh, then we have Best Painter, Multimedia Artist for Interior Art. We have, and again, there's some names here. Y- you have to forgive me on this. Uh, first of all, there's Federico Bertolucci for Love the Lion from Magnetic. Uh, Brecht Evans for Panther from Drawn and Quarterly. Manuel Fior, 5,000 kilometers per second from Fantagraphics. Dave McKean. Dude, it's been a while since I've heard Dave McKean's name bandied about in comics. I'm glad to see him back uh, for his work Black Dog from Dark Horse. Sana Takeda from Monstrous from Image, which I have to read. That's, that's on my soon pile. But the winner... Jill Thompson, Wonder Woman, The True Amazon, as well as Beasts of Burton, Burden, What the Cat Dragged In. So she won two Eisners at this one. Congratulations for her. Uh, we move on to Best Coloring. Jean-Francois Beaulieu, Beaulieu for Green Valley from Image Skybound. Elizabeth Breitweiser, Criminal 10th Anniversary Special, Killer Be Killed, and Velvet from Image, as well as Outcast by Kirkman and Azaketa from Image Skybound. Uh, she does some work. She does yeah, some work. Yeah, she's, uh, she's phenomenal. Uh, Sunny Lou, The Art of Charlie Chan Hawk Chai from Pantheon. 
Oh, look at this. Laura Martin from Wonder Woman, Ragnarok, uh, and Black Panther at Marvel, a frequent collaborator of Brian Hitch and, and many other awesome illustrators, John Cassa, you name it. She's, she's top tier when it comes to, to coloring. She is what they would call a yeah, tier one operator. You know, using special forces lingo, she is a green beret when it comes to coloring. Um, she was I, she trailblazed for Georgie Burnett. She really in, did, in my opinion. And I was just reading uh, the new Planetary Volume One uh, from Wildstorm Classics of DC. Her colors. This is this is a book going back to 1998-99, and they were looking as advanced as colors do. Like 18 years later, it's it, it's mind blowing the talent that she possesses. But she didn't win. Um, Unfortunately for her, but was was Jordi Belair nominated? Because she was not. That's fucked up. It was fucked up. But the one who won was Matt Wilson for Cry Havoc, Paper Girls, The Wicked and the Divine over at Image, as well as Black Widow, The Mighty Thor, and Star Lord. Well, I can't talk shit about that. Yeah. So Matt Wilson's fucking. He's boss. Jordi Belair, brilliant. And honest to God, from what we've seen of Moon Knight. In the last 12 issues, I would have thought that we would see some Jordi Belair nominations for that book. Among and she's the, coloring everything, everything, it feels like. Especially all the stuff that people are really reading. So Hopefully she gets in with uh, Redlands yes. uh, next yes. year for writing and coloring. Uh, I definitely want to read that to see how she writes, because I, I, I have not partaken of that yet. Now let's move over to lettering, shall we? For nominated for best lettering was Dan Klaus for Patience from Fantagraphics, Brecht Evans for Panther from John and Quarterly, Tom Gold for Mooncrop also from John and Quarterly, Nick Hayes for his book Woody Guthrie from Abrams, uh, Sonny Lou, The Art of Charlie Chan, Hawk Chai from Pantheon. Seriously, I have to read this book just for the sheer number of nominations. But the one who won. And it shouldn't really be a surprise for many people is Todd Klein, who seems to win just about every year. I mean, he, he needs- has more wins under his belt than I want to say just about anybody in Eisner history. Tom Klein, I think, has been lettering comics as long as I've been alive. And <laughs> I mean, no joke for a guy to stay relevant with his particular kind of art form. And let's be honest, lettering, letterers get short shrift of, of, of a lot of credit when it comes to putting out comic books. We wouldn't have comic books without letterers. It just doesn't work. And, and the artist, the art behind lettering is sometimes forgotten. And Todd Klein would not be as relevant a creator today if he wasn't of the top tier talent that was out there. And he's, I want to say he sold like his letter balloons and all that shit for like, like as original art for hundreds of dollars. Yes. Uh, and some of the work that he was uh, that he won for was for Clean Room. That was the Gail Simone book, uh, Dark Knight, the Paul Dini, Eduardo Rizzo book, Lucifer, all at Vertigo DC, as well as Black Hammer at, at Dark Horse, Jeff Lemire's book. Um, and that is it for the Eisner nominations. Um, we're sitting here and unedited. We're at almost an hour and a half. So, uh, as much as we would like to bring in all the movie and TV news that we originally talked about at the beginning of this episode, we're going to bump that to the actual episode 27 of the graphic content podcast. So stay tuned for that one, please. And thank you. And we will get around eventually to the Hanna-Barbera DC stuff like we promised. We absolutely will. But the sheer breadth of the news, and this being our first year doing this podcast, 
we just really were geeking out too much and and we're just glad that you're along for the ride um and besides there's been so many outlets talking about the media stuff to come out of san diego comic-con i don't feel too bad bumping it for the next episode because really who wants to sit and listen to us to yammer for three hours right fair enough so definitely we'll put that in the next episode to save you so you can go about your business and do whatever you were planning to do today um adam tell the kids where they can find you online as always adam s messinger uh whether it's twitter facebook uh instagram uh, whatever it is, you can find me there, M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. Jim, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter, at Jimmers with three M's, at, on Instagram, at Jimmers with five M's. I'm on Facebook, simply at Jim Mason. Do not forget that graphic content itself has a digital presence. We said it five times at the top of the show. It bears repeating one more time. Our Twitter account is at Graphic Podcast. Our Instagram account that Adam likes to curate with Midnighter Mondays, among many of the special features that we put up there, is at graphiccontent.podcast. And then you can go to facebook.com slash graphicpodcast for all of your graphic content news and updates with what's going on with the podcast, as well as just news stories that I like to pick up from Facebook, Instagram, and the World Wide Web relating to comics and comics-related media. So that's it. Adam, until next time, what are we going? What do we want the kids to do? Go read a comic, and after you read that comic, please, please, please listen to graphic content. <laughs>